I'm Grant Berry. Welcome to the Romans 911 podcast. We're stepping into the reconnection in the one new man into John 17, love and unity is becoming a reality. Beloved, today I want to focus and introduce to you the Romans 911 webinar. There are three focuses to the Romans 911 Project media plan. The first is actually the webinar, which we're going to listen to today. The second is this podcast that we're on, Romans 911 Podcast. And then our third and final focus for the media plan is the Romans 911 Talks. And these are interviews with various messianic and gentile leaders that are moving into the reconnection message as well as to interview other leaders to enter into dialogue and discussion to really bring this message to the threshold of the church that is now our mission in these next few years that the church the greater church at large would have the opportunity not just to hear the message but also to understand and embrace the significance of the reconnection message during these days. And as we know, it's like a golden key that opens the door to the Father's end time plans, but it only comes by spiritual revelation. And indeed, it has been hidden during the church age and is really only just now coming to light in its fullness as we come into the unveiling of this mystery that Paul challenged us not to be ignorant about as we come into the fullness of the Gentiles and Israel's salvation. Our approach to the Romans 911 Project webinar is to basically have almost like a, a virtual Bible study, a format where believers can come in over Zoom from different nations and we can come together in love and unity and really begin to dialogue. And the way we've set up the webinar focus is we've worked with for a couple of years before we even launched the media program, many different leaders and watchmen that have gone deeper already into this reconnection message. And we've invited them to be panelists with us. And so what we do is I host the uh, webinar and I have one topic that I bring to light to give a brief description. And then I open it up for the panelists to dialogue and share. And then for the other half of the webinar, we're totally open to you, the beloved, with any questions, concerns, and you can feel free to enter into dialogue with us on these issues. And I tell you, there's a very necessary part of this restoration, which requires us coming together and talking things through without any negative emotions, but in a, a positive dialogue that we can begin to really unpack and expose the way the evil one has fostered separation between us 
in these days and in these next few years, I believe we're going to see the Father release a greater measure of His love through us that will enable us to melt away the obstacles and work through our differences. So we're very pleased to introduce to you several recordings over the next few weeks that we're going to be listening to from our webinar podcasts. And if you'd like to join us, we meet the first Thursday of each month. You can go onto the Romans 911 website, romans911.org, and sign up there. And when you sign up, we will send you a free copy of the Romans 911 second edition. Beloved, blessings to you and, and enjoy this podcast. Lots of love. Welcome, everyone, to the Romans 911 Project webinar. We're stepping into the reconnection in the one you man and John 17, love and unity is becoming a reality. Beloved, um, I just want to encourage us to really promote this webinar. It really is a unique discussion that's so greatly needed in the body of Messiah, in the church, especially on in both the the Gentile side of the church and the Messianic body for us to come into deeper understanding. Remember, in the Romans 911 materials, we have the Romans 911 study book, and then we have the reconnection mandate, which is this prophetic document that the Lord gave these directives for us to come into this restoration. And directive number four talks about uh, the need for us to study. And the Lord is shifting us. And, and we, we have to understand the church has been, of course, it's been managed by the Gentile side of the family for 1700 years. And now we're shifting back towards this union and unity with Israel. There's such a great need for us to talk and dialogue, study and pray together. So I wanna encourage everyone uh, on the webinar to really uh, promote it into your circles and invite people, other people to come in. Um, what we usually do is I share, uh, I, I introduce with a particular subject that I send out a week before on the email. And if you're not signed up on the, on the Romans 911 website, you can just easily sign up your email. And um, we use, we're using the main study book and the study guide. I give certain page numbers for us to look at. And uh, then um, I ask various questions and enter into discussions with various panelists. And then every month we have different panelists, both Jewish and Gentile believers, you know, who we've already been spending the last couple of years ago, uh, last couple of years, really talking to one another and dialoguing and studying the material together. So we want you to be really comfortable. I, I'm going to introduce the subject um, and then I'm going to ask the panelists a couple of questions and invite the other panelists to contribute. And tonight, um, one of our panelists, uh, Greg Healy, he has, uh, 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 he texted me this afternoon and, and asked me if he could share a, a very specific dream that really set him on this path of reconnection and restoration in the one you man. So um, there will still be time for a couple of questions on this subject. So if you have questions, please put them in the chat and then Susan, Tara Grosser will moderate towards the end. 
uh, Hallie will give the announcements and 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 then we'll close. But we'd like to open up with a, a word of prayer. And uh, Karen, since it, you since it's the wee hours of the morning already, we we just give you the gold star award for the service and dedication to the reconnection message. So we'd like to invite you to open up and to bless the call tonight. Thank you, Grant. Um, <clears throat> yes, Lord, we thank you that um, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same and right through the night, you're with us. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you just join us together from so many different places on this amazing um, online call. And Lord, we thank you that you love each one of us as we are, that you've called us to be a unique part of your body. Uh, and you've called us to be one in you. And we just thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing. We thank you for this ministry and we thank you for each one here. And Lord, um, take this time, use it to, to open our minds and hearts to you, to open our spirits to you, to bring healing and um, revelation, Lord, and just to begin uh, to, 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 to move this out from here to other people as well, to further out, to extend this. And so we just thank you this time together now and for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, Karen. Blessings. We got to spend some time with Karen in uh, Kansas City last in February. It was just great to actually meet her. You know, do you know how many of us over over COVID, right? We've become so friendly with people on Zoom, and we've never met them in the flesh. And I got to give Karen a hug. So, all right. So tonight, um, we're going to talk about the remnant of Israel. Who who is the remnant of Israel? How does scripture refer to Jewish believers um, in in the family of God. And uh, hopefully we're going to get into uh, a greater significance as to the role that the remnant of Israel is actually going to play and how significant it is at this time for the remnant of Israel to be restored into the family and you know in the previous prayer hour i gave an analogy of like a, a cake or a pizza pie or a circle and if you think of the remnant of israel as the like a quarter one of the pieces of a cake yeshua can't jesus can't return until you until israel has been awakened and restored and so there's a plan now as the lord shifts his church and the focus back towards Jerusalem. Remember, the gospel has gone out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer parts. And we know there's still, we're in the final stages of the gospel reaching those those final parts. But there's this sense now that 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 the ark is moving back towards Jerusalem. And so there's this need for us not just to understand and recognize, but also to be restored to one another. And this unique relationship, uh, if you look at uh, Ephesians 2, those from afar, those from an ear, and the book of Acts, 
how Jews and Gentiles came together in the first century, the love and unity that was upon them, and the glory and the fire of God that ignited them to change the world. Rome could not contend, so it merged. And the Lord, and we know that the latter glory is going to be greater than the former glory. Uh, and if the church is the chosen uh, catalyst uh, to, to breathe life back in, into Israel, then she must, uh, uh, Israel must awaken first, the church must awaken to her. And, and so this restoration becomes center stage. So tonight, I'm just gonna, uh, I've asked a couple of panelists to, to uh, prepare some questions. And I wanna start with Audrey. Audrey, help us to define exactly who the remnant of Israel was and who they are now. You know, first of all, I like to go back to the root word, yeah, what does remnant mean? So I had to look that up. And really, to boil it down, um, remnant means one who remains. It's usually a small part of people who are remaining. And uh, so who are the, the ones who are uh, the remnant? And it's, I believe it's, it's, of course, there's always been, all the way through history, there always has been some of the Jewish people brought in into faith all the way through, but it was not until the 1960s did we have the, the Jewish Messianic movement. Um, a good another de a biblical definition of remnant is um is from Romans 11 and i just want to read a few verses from that starting in 1 it says to that to that case i say isn't it that god repudiated his people heaven forbid for i myself am a son of israel and from the seed of abraham of abraham of the tribe of benjamin god has not repudiated repudiated his people for he chose in advance or do you not know that tanakh was says about El elijah he pleads with god against israel Adonai, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I'm the only one left, and now they want to kill me too. But what God's answer to him was, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not knelt, knelt down to Baal. That remnant is the faithful ones, the ones who remained, even in the midst of adversity, even though everybody else seems to be going the other way, they hang on, they remain, they remain true to the faith, true to what the what Yeshua was all about. And, and they stay with that, even though they, um, they've been, they might've been rejected by their friends and by their families and even by uh, those who are uh, around them, but they stay true because they know that God is God and Jesus, Yeshua is Yeshua. So that is uh, the remnant as far as I can see. And that's what my understanding is. Yeah, pay particular attention to verse five. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And, you know, when you look through the centuries, through the thousands of years from the time that Yeshua came and the modern day, there have always been Jewish believers. Right. Always have been Jewish believers. And so when I think when we look at that scripture, we can take from it that those of us that are now awakened, Jewish believers that are awakened to Jewish, uh, to Messiah now, are indeed part of that remnant. Um, yeah, uh, any panelists, other panelists want to comment on that? Harriet. Yes, um, I, I was doing a 
quick Bible study on it this morning, and I noticed a connection. The, there always seems to be a connection with the remnant and the, a choosing an election of the remnant. Um, also, it, uh, the remnant is usually referring to those who have escaped. So they've escaped the sword or destruction um, mm -hmm. in one way or another. Um, particularly, a lot of times in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, it's referring to a remnant that it looks like God is going to just destroy the whole remnant of Israel. But there are some verses where there's hope for the remnant, uh, particularly like Jeremiah 31, 7, that says, For thus says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout at the head of the nations, announce praise and say, O Lord, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. And that certainly seems to be what he has done in this day. Um, I'm personally a part of it, as are Grant and Hallie and some of the rest, Susan and some of the rest of us, we are part of the remnant of Israel. But it's always a small, small part of the whole. Um, so anyway, that's what I... And also get used to um, to that term in the Romans 911 material, because if scripture refers to Jewish believers as the remnant of Israel, then that's the term that we actually use in the Romans 911 project to refer to Messianic believers and Jewish believers in the church. Hallelujah. And so, Paul, you know, of course, there's a great significance now um, for for the rest of Israel to be restored. But but um, help us uh, to define exactly who the remnant of Israel, um, sorry, um, help us to explain the, the significance of the remnant of Israel now, as well as the great need for God's children in the nations to connect back with them and what it will actually produce. Wow, there's, there's a lot there. One of the things I was pondering, we, we've always had a remnant. There's always been Jewish believers from the first century on, but for a long time, they didn't express their Jewishness. And, and I think one of the things that being restored and being brought forth in this reconnection is the Jewishness of the Messianic believers. And I think that's that's a wonderful restoration because it brings forth a new revelation or a hidden revelation as, as sometimes we talk about. So in significance, I wanna just mention two things. First of all, the significance from a biblical and a believing perspective is just the fact that there's still a remnant of Jews because God promised that. The fact that they're expressing their Jewishness and there's now more Messianic believers than there ever have been in history, I think is a an indication that something is shifting in the kingdom and being restored to the kingdom. So in the book, it talks about the fullness of revelation. We can't have full revelation with just a Gentile perspective. I first thought of a puzzle. You think about a puzzle and you put this thing together and it shows you a picture, but if all the Jewish pieces are missing, you have an incomplete picture of the kingdom 
of the Bible of God. Then I thought of something interesting because Grant always talks about the Messianic lens and the Gentile lens. And I thought about a 3D movie. If you've ever been to a 3D movie, they give you these glasses and on one side is one colored lens, the other side is a different color lens. When you look at this movie, it takes on a whole different dimension, a whole fullness, a whole revelation. You see the whole 3D picture of what's going on. But if you only have one lens, it's just like a regular movie. So for millennia, we've been looking at the Bible, we've been looking at the kingdom, we've been looking at God with one lens. And now as we get the other lens in place, we can see it in a whole set of dimensions that we've missed for thousands of years. So that's really significant if you think about it. Uh, the kingdom is going to be glorified. Well, the kingdom can't be glorified if it's incomplete. So the restoration of this remnant and the fullness of their Jewish heritage is bringing a completeness to the kingdom and therefore the kingdom can then be glorified. And then the olive tree, I was never thought about this before much. We always think of a tree being fed by the roots, which is a truth. So there's an olive tree that has the roots feeding it. But part of the feeding of the plant is from photosynthesis and from the branches. So if the branches have been broken off or ignored, the tree is not as healthy as it should be. So there's a restoration of the fullness of revelation. There's a restoration of the glory of the kingdom and a restoration of the healed, complete and healthy olive tree. I think those are all very significant. And, and I've been excited to be part of what's going on as we see with a new depth the kingdom of God and God himself. Well, that, What's that, that going to bring about? Well, it's going to produce a full kingdom. And as the world looks at a full kingdom and a glorified kingdom, I believe there's going to be a shift. The Bible says that when the Gentiles enter their fullness, they're going to make the Jews jealous. When the Jews return to Messiah, it will be like life from the dead. My favorite quote is Jonathan Burnus. He says, I don't know what that means, but it sure sounds good. <laughs> Life from the dead sounds good. Is worldwide revival? I think probably is it life from the dead? That's a good thing. So we need to support this remnant of believers. We need to support Israel. And one of the things that stunned me when I took my trip to Israel with, uh, with Grant, few years ago was the focus on the land. And I think there's something about that land that's different. I've been talking to people, trying to convince them to come to Israel. I said, nobody ever came back the same. They all said that I've been changed. There's something about that land. And there's something about a restoration of that remnant to the land, but there's also a battle for that land. And if the Jews are the messianic remnant, are the front line in the front line cities and the front line ground. We need to support them so that they can fulfill their purpose, so they can help us fulfill our purpose. And I think the, the future is, I looked up some data, I've heard it before, 
we're estimating there's about 350,000 in the remnant right now worldwide, more Jewish believers than any time. And as they're restored and our vision is restored and the glory is restored, we're going to see exciting times. But it's up to us Gentiles to be supporting them in word and deed and finances and prayer and visiting the land so that we can be shifted. Amen, Paul. Wow. What a great analogy of the 3D lens. Love that. And also, um, you know, you know, part of the revelation as we move deeper into this reconciliation, part of the revelation that comes as part of the download and, you know, any any one of us that have been to the land, especially on these prayer missions, we understand how great the need is for the prayer body to be supported there. I will just expand it to, to include Arab believers as well, because there are a great deal of Arab believers uh, cooperating in love and unity with the Jewish believers. But there is this knowledge and revelation that truly the body in the land is on the front lines of the church. And, and, and the church just hasn't, doesn't understand that yet. But as we come into this restoration and the Lord begins to unveil the strategy to us, we understand how great the need is to actually go into the land with worship and prayer and intercession and help to clear the skies that that the 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 body there can be prepared better for salvation. And I believe part of the fruit of this restoration, the Lord, we are going to see uh, we're going to see uh, prayer missionaries first fruit worship and intercession into the land to help clear the skies. And of course, we talk about that in the material. But Paul, I have to tell you, you know, you were so eloquent with that. I'm going to challenge you to write an article. And uh, once it's finished, we'll we'll put it in charisma for you. So I'm going to hold you to that, brother. It's really great dissertation that you gave. Most of you know Greg Heal. He's one of our panelists. And uh, uh, Greg's the brother that actually introduced me to 10 Days and been tracking with him. And, you know, we have a lot of fun together. We really are, have been a one new man representative in the state of Connecticut. And uh, he's just got the greatest sense of humor. He loves to roast me all the time, you know, but I can handle it because I'm secure and confident in who I am. So, Greg, um, share with us that incredible dream the Lord gave you to um, to really put you on deeper on this reconnection path. Absolutely. And I hope after I share it, Grant, you still feel as confident and you're still smiling. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just clearing my throat. So, hey, everybody, good to see you all. And some of you may have heard about this dream before, but... Uh, I feel, firstly, the Bible teaches us, shows us how God uses dreams that he gives to men uh, in their slumber to show us things, uh, show us things that God is trying to communicate to us. And this particular dream fits right into the reconnection vision and strategy. And uh, this is before Grant and I had met. We had met at harvest time. Um, probably two years before this, um, I think it was the 2014 10 days of prayer. Um, and we each had a role in that service to pray, uh, but we never got to know each other terribly well, but 
I had the, this dream, I think the in the fall of 20, I want to say 2015. And here's, here's what the dream was. I was uh, in front of a house and I knew this house was in New Jersey. And the house that I was in front of um, was three stories. And I was there with Bridget, but Bridget was sort of to the side and I entered into the house alone. And once I had opened the door, um, a friend of ours was there. Her name is Michelle. Michelle, Bridget and I went to school together and Michelle is Israeli. And then her parents immigrated to New York. And so she's unique. She's an unbeliever. She's Israeli. She's Jewish. And uh, before I describe what was going on with her, let me, let me describe the decor of, of how this house looked. So the house was highly decorated. As I mentioned, it was three stories. It had, I distinctly remember this, it had white trim and it was like a heavy trim or heavy moldings and things. And it had uh, a forest green paint like on, on the wall. And it had a very rich wood furniture, kind of like that um, in a British style. And the way I describe the whole look together would be like a Ralph Lauren style of uh, appointment and apparel for the house. So if, if anyone's tracking me with, with me on that, um, that's what the house looked like. It was a nice house. It was a uh, it was not a huge house, but it was not a small house. And back to Michelle, in the dream, Michelle was uncontrollably sobbing. She was inconsolable completely upset and I immediately wanted to try to comfort her and you know say hey you know what's wrong can I help you and she just couldn't even speak she just crying and crying and sobbing and sobbing kind of like if you've ever had um, uh, just even like a, a, a Holy Spirit experience where you're just mourning the things that God mourns over it was that kind of depth of mourning and crying and so um, then at one point she runs upstairs to the third story and she goes to her bedroom. And I had this sense that she was jealous and envious uh, in a good way of our marriage. So Bridget and our, my marriage. And she was single in the dream and she wanted a husband. I just knew that she wanted a husband and I knew she was... Um, uh, jealous of uh, our marriage. And so there was this awkwardness of me trying to help and comfort her and her desiring a husband thinking, well, it could be you, but it, I don't think that's right. And I, of course, was like, no, it's not It's not right because I, I'm already married. And, um, and so this, this, and so then the dream ends like this. Bridget enters into the bedroom and she walks up to like the dream camera, if, if, if you will, like it just walks up to my screen in the dream. And she just speaks herself, says, this is a code 10 moment. And that was the end of the dream. And I believe that three stories in the dream represent three levels of heaven. And so this third story that Michelle was uh, in the bedroom represents the intimacy that she was desiring, uh, which is a heavenly intimacy. Um, the third heaven is the heaven where Jesus 
is right now. Um, and that represents that, but it was not right to have this intimacy with me. So what do I think that means? I think what that means is simply this. She was envious. She wanted to be married and she wanted to be married to be to someone like me, but not someone quite like me because she wanted those attributes, but knew it had to be someone else, knew it had to be her own husband. And I believe in the dream, um, I was representing fivefold leadership on the Gentile side of the house or in the in the Gentile church. And Bridget was representing the bride of Christ and the Gentile bride of Christ. But it was a warning because when I got this code 10, this is a code 10 moment, it was kind of like code 10, like a police code, like warning, this is really serious. And if you make a mistake here, you're going to be judged for it. And that's somewhat of the meaning of 10 biblically is to take a measure of something. So this is like a warning and a measure where God is looking at the Gentile church and saying, you need to be careful not to to uh, have your own ideas of how to solve this problem when you see Jewish people really mourning and struggling and looking for Messiah, you've got to be extremely careful that you don't just try to graft them into the Gentile tradition or the Gentile way. And in fact, Michelle really was looking for the fivefold messianic leadership to marry to, which is like, uh, leadership is like headship. Headship is Christ. If you look at the passages, I believe in Corinthians, of uh, how husband and wife are to treat each other and how Christ loved the church and things, it's the same kind of analogy there. And the the warning was really this: like if 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 uh, a, if a traditional Christian or a Gentile Christian is just continuing not to be sensitive to the Lord, but is just trying to evangelize someone and bring them into their church or just like, hey, this is another opportunity to save people and, and add our numbers to the church. God was warning the Gentile church, I feel like, don't do that. That's the wrong move. That's not what I'm doing. And by the way, that won't work. They won't be satisfied, the Jewish people who are marrying to Yeshua. And your role, Greg, is not to interfere with that intimacy in marriage, but rather it's to support it, to pray for it, um, and to undergird it and to respect it. And basically in any work of evangelism, I've always taken that to mean when um, introducing a Jewish people to their Messiah, it needs to it needs to be in such a fashion where it's like you're introducing them into their own tradition, their own culture, their own bloodline, and the original um, uh, aspect of culture and everything of how Jewish people worship, and that this is part of God's plan. And plus, there's a mystery in it connected to physical Israel and the restoration of physical Israel and Aliyah and all the rest of it. So there, it's very much I feel a dream that shows and demonstrates God God's one new man plan and that Jesus is headship of both the Gentile side of the olive tree and the Jewish side of the olive tree, or you could think of it as two olive trees, like in Revelation 11, either way. But it's not that there's another marriage going on here. It's just that one is in the Gentile tradition and one is in the Jewish tradition. There's nothing wrong with the Gentile tradition. It's just that the the divine plan 
is to rebuild and strengthen the Messianic branches and especially the five-fold leadership and, and how critical that is. And I think even someone like, I want to say Mike Bickle, has said the most impactful apostolic leaders before Jesus will return will be uh, Jewish apostles. And so that just shows how important it is um, that both sides of the uh, church are functioning well and rightfully, respectfully working together yet in their own tradition. And in this way, two is better than one. And it's going to be a great witness to the earth. The power that you see in Revelation 11 is incredible in terms of this witness. So Grant talks about reconnecting the wire is going to unleash this fire. And that's related to the power that God wants to release when the church is ready and the the the, the branches are grafted back into the original root and are strong and the two together can work as God intends. And I feel like that that, that dream ta- talks to this uh, Israel's remnant first paragraph, especially here on page 127. It really is an illustration of that. And amazingly, I had never met Grant. He lives in New Jersey. He's British. He's Jewish. Ralph Lauren was British. He's Jewish. You know, or he he's not British, but he, he copied a style of um, uh, sort of the British uh, decor, right? So, but he's Jewish. So I think that points to not only connecting with Grant, but also it really points to this end time plan of salvation for the Jewish people. That someone like Michelle, who's an unbeliever, can have an experience where she is really attracted to what's going on, but knows, wait a second, this is not how I uh, give my life to Jesus. I give my life to Yeshua because he's Messiah in the traditions of our forefathers. And that's the completion that God is looking for. And that is a strengthening rather than anything else. And this is really a holy plan. Now, amazingly, this has not only been fulfilled in meeting Grant and doing what we're doing right now, but also when Ryan died, my son last year, Michelle and her parents, who were both served in the Israeli army, and they were, as I mentioned, Israeli coming over to, the, to New York. Michelle was so impacted by the memorial service that she pulled me aside afterward and Bridget and said, what is going on? Like, I had no idea. Like, you believe this way. Like, what is it about it? And then she said, I have a I have a cousin, I think, or someone, a relative, an uncle maybe, in Israel who gives tours uh, for people to go to all the sites. And he, one of his tours that he does is where the sites of where Jesus walked. And she says, I want you guys to come with me to Israel and we'll go on my uncle's tours and you can teach me or talk to me about like your belief and your faith and who is this, who is this Jesus and what do you believe and why why did I sense something in this service that is causing me um, to be drawn to it? And uh, and she's a very um, affable, uh, intelligent person. And uh, it was just an amazing thing to see how even she is, be, this dream is, is awakening her in the same kind of fashion, just like in the dream. And so now her destiny lies believing in Yeshua, but also worshiping and joining messianic congregation and um jewish community um so uh 
Another aspect probably worth mentioning is, you know, Grant often talks about, well, how do we help facilitate as Gentiles or anybody for that matter, uh, the building up the Messianic branches? Well, one of the ways is that churches can serve in a bunch of different capacities, right? They could help establish new synagogues that are Messianic. They can add services that are Messianic and run by Jewish people. They can even uh, start a church, you know, invite a church or, or help a church get started, kind of like Harvest Time has done with um, Messiah's house, and let them, you know, build a church within their facilities and just support it and and fund it and help it and bless it and and just um, bring people to it. You know, say, hey, look, you know, you might want to come to this service; you might enjoy it. So that's the dream, and that's uh, its interpretation as far as I'm aware. Yeah, Greg, um, thanks a lot for that, brother. Um, I, um, you know, let's drill down on this a little bit deeper, because I think the Lord is really speaking to us here. We we need to get a, a clearer understanding of how to help lead the Jewish people back to faith. And first of all, I want to give you scripture here. This is the end of verse 24 in 11. How much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? One of the mistakes, uh, by the way, um, if you want to learn more about Jewish evangelism and how to bring the gospel back to the Jewish people, it's not that complex. I mean, you do need to learn by love and, and by trial and error and by moving in an unconditional love. But if you read chapter 11 of the Ezekiel generation, and if you want to go onto the website, uh, the Romans911.org website, you will find an article on evangelism that breaks down some very clear things to help you uh, uh, in greater understanding to bring the gospel. But let me just say this. How do we make Israel jealous? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I believe we make Israel jealous. We make Israel jealous by loving them and befriending them. And as you get close to them, you earn the right to begin to share what you believe. And then suddenly something comes up and you say, oh, can I pray for you? And you pray for them. And they begin to see not only your sincerity, but they begin to see, because I was drawn to jealousy by a, a Christian girl who had a Jewish, Russian Jewish grandmother. And I knew after a period of time, there was something going on between her and the Lord that I, as God one supposedly God's chosen people did not have that she had. Why? Because she's living in and operating in the covenant that was given to me, but I couldn't accept it because of various reasons that the enemy put in place to cause me to reject it. We make Israel jealous if we're walking right with the Lord. We make the Jewish people jealous by getting up close and loving them. Uh, and then they will begin to see and witness there's something there. But the mistake that we make is we try and bring them back into the Gentile side of the tree. And we can't do that. Right. Because they need to be restored to the natural branches. So we have to learn how to build bridges 
and pathways to help them return to their to their side of the tree, which is messianic. And of course, um, uh, acknowledging the Jewishness of our faith, giving great gratitude to the towards the Jewish people and how you express your love for them. These are all keys. Uh, but the the key the key element to the dream that Greg had is that we need to wake up to this now because we 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 can't bring them back to the Gentile branches. And why can't we do that? Because the Gentile branches we use to kill them. Christy, from their perspective, all the beautiful things to us about Christianity and the terminology to them are push button uh, emotional attachments to to murder and persecution of their people through hundreds and thousands of years coming from so-called Christianity. So we have to understand, and I wrote about this a great deal in my first book, in the New Covenant Prophecy, for us to really understand, I explained in depth the barriers I had to work through in my own journey of salvation to get over those barriers I mean, even when I accepted the Lord, I couldn't even read the New Testament. It took a number of weeks before I could even get there. And when I did, it started to jump off the page. And believe it or not, the Holy Spirit had already revealed, I, I'm reading parts of Paul's letters, and I already knew the stuff in the Spirit because Paul, because the Holy Spirit had showed it to me. So... Um, yep. And if I could just say, add to what you're saying here, Grant, it's not only the um, barriers or obstacles for what prevents people from or repels people from joining the, the Gentile traditions if you're Jewish, but it's also, and probably even more importantly, it is skirting the Lord's uh, plan, which will unleash and unlock the very thing that God wants to do on the earth, which will bring this great change in power. And that power is the life from the dead. That's also scripturally referred to as resurrection power. And if we, and that the two witnesses have such resurrection power. So even more importantly is the opportunity cost of if we, if we get this wrong, we're essentially rebelling against God's plan and we're preventing potentially this power from being unleashed, which really is the unlocking of everything else that God wants to do. Okay. So it's like we, can, we 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 have to see it in that light with humility. There can be no pride in the Gentile church, like, hey, we run the church and we, you know, you're not a believer, but we, you know, we know how to do this, and then we teach people the wrong thing um, instead of grafting them into their side of the tree and the power that's associated with that they, they just the whole thing from soup to nuts of the, the dna being related to um sarah's blood you know so um Man. all of that super important. susan you got some questions yeah i had a, a, just a comment you know when you try to bring the as as jewish believer i came in through the gentile side and i'll i'll just say this about that you know, when you're trying to bring the Jewish branches into the Gentile side of the tree, our identity is different. Who we are is different. And so, you know, we we tend, when we come into that side, to conform to that side. Right. Um, and 
you know, the, the way I discovered my real Jewishness and my real identity was that Grant actually, Harvest Time Church in Greenwich is my home church. And Grant came in with Messiah's House, which is a parachurch ministry that comes alongside um, Gentile churches and brings in a Jewish flavor and a Jewish understanding. And when I started attending his meetings, I started to realize that I really didn't know my identity of who God meant me to be because I had been given this identity by other people and just sort of, I wanted to fit in. So I, you know, I, I became like everyone else and that wasn't what God intended. And so, you know, once I had the opportunity to study um, Grant's books and to sit under his teachings, I began to realize and God began to show me that the purpose I thought I had for my life was completely different and that his intention for me all along in my identity was completely different. And so we have to real, that's why I agree with what Greg said about moving cautiously, proceeding forward carefully and sounding that alarm because, you know, if we're stealing the identities of the Jewish people as they come into the body, we're losing that one side of the 3D glasses, you know, I remember those movies, there was one side was red and one side was green. And if you only have one color and not the other, you're, you're going to see a skewed picture of the kingdom. You're going to see a skewed picture even of people, believers, you know, you're going to see all these skewed things. And so, you know, it, it really is an important message. And I, Greg, I can just say, wow, to that dream. I mean, that was just so precise and so such a beautiful picture of what God intends for, for us to do. And I just want to thank you for that. Amen. Greg does get these amazing dreams. Hallelujah. It's not the only one, I promise you. Hallelujah. Uh, Grant, I just might mention that something you said, or, or I'm sure it's you said it or not, but someone... Um, well, it's going back to Jeremiah 31, 31. Uh, the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And sometimes uh, as Gentiles, we pretend that it's ours and that we're inviting Jewish people into it, where the truth is just the opposite. <laughs> it's the Jewish people's covenant, and we have been invited in. And I think that's an important distinction for us, and it helps us to honor to honor the people that come from that Jewish heritage. And I, I just I just wanted to underline what you had said about that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, that's great, Papa Gelo, and thanks very much for sharing that. Uh, beloved, blessed discussion, really. Um, you you can understand now after you know just dialoguing just the need for us to to do this and get together and to talk about these things we're just beginning to touch the hem you know we're 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 not moving into a shift we're in the shift and we're all on a journey in this and it's so important for us to get together and just there's this great yiddish word it's called kibitz just to talk to one another. We need to kibitz together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Grant, for that insightful discussion. To dialogue with Grant and Halley, 
please send comments and questions to email at romans911.org. Again, that's email at romans911.org. If you resonate with the Romans 911 Project, please pray about partnering with us to bring this reconnection message to the threshold of the church. Sign up for our monthly email. Join our global virtual meetings with other believers to dialogue and pray together. And most important, read the Romans 911 book, Time to Sound the Alarm, and view the Romans 911 study guide 12 to 14 hour video teachings, which are free when you purchase the study guide. The Romans 911 books and teachings are transformational into God's end time plans to prepare the bride and reform the church. They help to create the breakthrough that will change the world. The reconnection message is like a golden key from the heart of the Father to restore love and unity in God's family that opens the door to the fulfillment of Yeshua's prayer in John 17 and it establishes the pathway for the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, to receive the greater glory. But this reconnection message in the one new man has been hidden during the church age, in the mystery to reawaken Israel to faith, and is only just now coming to light. That's why we need your help to fund this project, to bring the message forth, to help us blow the holy shofar, to awaken the greater church into this restoration, now is the time. Would you pray to give Chai, to give life to the reconnection, to reach the church and the messianic body, and help unite the family of God? To fund the Romans 911 project, we have created the Give Chai Life Campaign. Chai is a Hebrew word meaning life, but it also represents the number 18. And for just one Chai, $18 a month, you can make a difference. Please be prayerful about this. We can't do this without precious saints like yourself who are beginning to get this revelation to help us bring this message before the church. For more information on the Romans 911 Project, please visit our website at romans911.org. It's easy to remember, romans911.org. Please also subscribe to the Romans 911 Project wherever you listen to podcasts at the end.